Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello everybody, this is Richard Harris. I wanna welcome you to the Truth and Liberty Livecast. Uh, so excited tonight. We've got as our very special guest, Eric Metaxas is with us and I'm so happy to have Eric's, Eric with us. We're gonna give him a proper introduction in a second. We've also got a special co-host tonight, which is Pastor Steve Holt. But before we get into all of that, I just wanted to mention a few things here. Um, uh, first off, if you're watching tonight and uh, you're on YouTube or Facebook, I wanna encourage you to take a second and jump over and watch directly on our website at truthandliberty.net because you're guaranteed to have a, a solid, a reliable viewing experience there. We won't get censored there. If you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, sometimes they don't like what we talk about here at Truth and Liberty. And so I encourage you to watch straight on our website at truthandliberty.net. Also on our website, you know I do this every week, but I, I wanna encourage you again, check out our resources page there. We have that thing chock full of resources that are designed to help you be informed and be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. And uh, just to mention, a couple of them. Andrew's latest, uh, what we call here at the ministry, a legacy product, the Biblical Worldview series. The next installment is out and it's on socialism. And this is a phenomenal product you're going to want to get. It's going to teach you about socialism, how it's not consistent with the Bible. And we've got lots of great speakers on there about socialism. I think Alex McFarland is on there. I think uh, Bob McEwen is there. Of course, Andrew speaks as well. So that's one of those resources you just want to check out. Also, some amazing events coming up here at uh, Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College, including Campus Days. I think Campus Days is still my favorite event of the year because of what happened in our life, Donna and my personal life, when we came to Campus Days in 2012 and how God just touched us and revolutionized our walk with God. So Campus Days is April 6th through the 8th. Uh, we've got another dramatic production for Easter scheduled uh, David, King of Jerusalem musical, April 8th through the 10th, although that sounds like it might be after Easter. Doesn't matter when it is, you wanna to come to that show. It is awesome the way that Robert and Elizabeth Murin uh, capture the essence of David and his relationship with the Lord is something you will never forget. And then we've got um, a Gospel Truth Conference in Washington, D.C. Andrew's gonna be in Washington on May the 19th through the 21st. So if you live in the D.C. area or anywhere actually, and you wanna attend that, go to awmi.net and register. Um, and then uh, wanted to mention as well that uh, we uh, give away a free product here on Truth and Liberty every week to new subscribers. If you're not a subscriber, just go to our website, top right-hand corner, click subscribe, share your email address with us, and you'll start to get our emails where we are again, our whole mission 
mission here at Truth and Liberty is to equip the body of Christ. And we're going to be, we'll send you useful and helpful information uh, that, that will be a blessing to you. Um, and if you subscribe this week, you'll be eligible to receive Andrew's book, You've Already Got It. So uh, it's, this is an amazing uh, book. You can see the picture on there is a dog chasing his tail. That's what most Christians' lives are like, right? If you can relate to me for a second here, we're always trying to seek something from God. The truth is that in Christ, He has already given us everything we need. The Bible says all things pertaining to life and godliness. So register today or subscribe today, be eligible to receive that book. And then uh, also we do what we do here at Truth and Liberty. You know, we are, we are doing so many things. We can't even talk about all the things we're doing, but we are doing amazing things, or I should say God is. And if you want to be a part of that, you can be a part by becoming a member of Truth and Liberty today. And just go on our website to the donate page and sign up to make a recurring contribution, automatic donation of $5 or more per month, and you will become a Truth and Liberty member. And if you do, we'll send you a free product. Uh, Alex McFarland's latest book, um, the, the Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. This is an awesome book and it will fire you up. And uh, so become a member today and we'll send you that in the mail. Um, so with me tonight is Pastor Steve Holt. Steve is the pastor of The Road at Chapel Hills Church in Colorado Springs. And I have just really loved getting to know Steve over the last few years. Uh, he is one of the leading pastors in this area who is standing up for God and for truth in the, in the public square. Steve is equipping his body to be uh, patriots, to be Christian patriots. And I just am so glad to have you here. I think it's your first time on set with us, it but is. thanks for coming, it is. Steve. Thank you, Richard. For well, I'm going to turn it over to you and you're going to introduce our very special guest tonight. Yeah, well, you guys are blessed here tonight because we got Eric Metaxas. And Eric Metaxas is just uh, one of the political and I would say cultural commentators of our day. He's been on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News as a cultural commentator. And his books are just astounding. And I've been blessed, you know, Richard, for me, reading uh, what Eric has written has been awesome. And Eric, thank you for writing them because it's just really opened my eyes to so many things. And um, I just, I have, to, I have to read the list of New York Times number one best-selling author of Fish Out of Water, which is an autobiography that um, Eric has done really on his life of coming to Christ. Uh, Martin Luther, which gives you a really beautiful picture of the Reformation and what was happening in Martin Luther's life. If you can keep it really about freedom in America. And Bonhoeffer, which I, is my favorite book that he's written. Amazing Grace, which is my wife's favorite book that he's written, which is on William Wilberforce and his battle with the slave trade. And then Miracles. And, and right now, today, we're going to talk a little bit, Eric, about your newest book, Is Atheism Dead? And this book is a powerful chronology of kind of how atheism has been has been bombarding our nation really from the four horsemen I won't go into all of that but many of those that have been kind of leading fiery atheists that have bombarded us over the last 15 years with atheism and it is a look at a scientific perspective an archaeological perspective and a philosophical perspective to how when you really seek truth it leads us back to God. So tell us why you wrote this and what was the heart behind this? Whenever I get an introduction like that, it's like so nice. I think I'd like to leave on a high note, so please excuse me. I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, it really can't do better. You guys, thank you so much. And by the way, you're not the Richard Harris 
who was in the movie A Man Called Horse. You're not that actor, are you? No. You're you different know. Richard Harris. Yeah, I'm a different one. You weren't the drinking buddy of... A little, shorter, of, a little uh, shorter hair, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, um, I, uh, gosh, the Lord has uh, blessed me by leading me to write these books. And, you know, a lot of times Christians say that. I can tell you, I just... I'm in awe looking back, you know, mm -hmm. that yeah. when the Lord led me to write the Bonhoeffer book, did I know that we would be living through something like that? I mean, I'm horrified mm -hmm. even to, to say it, but we could talk about that later. Mm -hmm. But this book, it's really not about atheism. I mean, the, the end of it is about atheism and stuff, but really what it is, the, the reason I gave it the title, just to be clear, um, in 1966, Time Magazine put this satanic lie in America's living rooms. Mm -hmm. Is God dead? Mm -hmm. Science seems to be pushing God out of the picture. And, you know, all the, the smart people figured, yeah, it's kind of looking bad for faith and sciences, you know. Well, ironically, and I, you know, I, I can't help joking around. I find this hilarious. Ironically, since about 1966, the evidence from science for God's existence has piled up and up and up and up to the point where today, and obviously I put it in this book, the evidence from science, it is utterly overwhelming. It's not impressive. Wow. It's, it, it's game over. That's right. It's mm. like saying, what, is, what evidence do we have that the earth is not flat, that it is a sphere? Can we agree that it's not flat? And you'd say, well, yeah, pretty much we've, we've figured it out. It's not really, we don't really debate that yeah, anymore. Right. That's the level of evidence God has provided to us from science mm -hmm. today. But the headline is, most Christians have no clue. That's a powerful statement. We have not heard it this. Is, it really is. And, and so when I kind of discovered this, I said the question today is not, is God dead? The question is, is atheism dead? And uh, even though I want people to buy my book, uh, I don't care if you read it, just buy it. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I want people to see for themselves. I will give you the secret answer. Yes, yes. Atheism is dead. It is so dead, you just can't even imagine it. I really believe as believers, mm -hmm. most believers have internalized some of these lies. Even though we say, no, I believe in God and I believe it. We've kind of internalized the secular lie that science is somehow at odds with faith. Or we, We've kind of bought into that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And when I, you know, over the years I've been reading books on science and faith, people like Hugh Ross and John Lennox and Stephen Meyer, I've read all this stuff and it's kind of piled up and up and up and I just thought, this is crazy. But what I discovered just in the last few years, I said, the level of evidence, people don't have any clue how open and shut it is. Mm -hmm. It really is like talking about, is the earth a sphere or is it flat? It is just like that where you say, there's really no more to discuss. We have figured out that if you care about what science says, there is zero chance that everything emerged, the universe, the earth, life, emerged randomly through natural forces. Mm -hmm. If you are intellectually honest, you know that is no longer intellectually tenable, even as a, as a thesis. Mm -hmm. But again, the headline is most believers don't know it. Mm -hmm. we, we, we just haven't seen the information. So I said, I gotta write this book to put all this information in, you know, in an easy to read format, so you don't have to be a scientist, so you can say, oh my God, uh, I, I, <laughs> I just wanna worship. I wanna worship through mm. 
science. Mm -hmm. the, the more I discover through science, the more I'm in awe of the Lord who made everything. Mm -hmm. And again, think of the irony that the more we can see with science, the more we glorify God. It's right. the opposite of what the atheist and the secularist said. So the first part of the book is science. Second part of the book is biblical archaeology, uh, which is crazy stuff. And I'll tell you a little bit about it. I mean, crazy, crazy. That most believers have not heard of this. And I'm like, we got to get this message out to the church. And then the third part of the book, I really, I, I really take the argument to the atheists and basically say, you've been able to get away with murder Mm -hmm. intellectually mm -hmm. and I'm calling you I'm calling the bet yeah. let's look at the fact you're yeah. dead it's over mm -hmm. because we've been very sometimes Christians are over polite and gracious we say well let's have a conversation you're not gonna have a conversation with somebody who says the earth is flat you're gonna mm -hmm. say maybe we should talk about that later because after you go to the doctor I, I hate to tell you but <laughs> we, they actually settled that issue exactly well at the end of the book I talk about some of this and I myself was blown away to realize, first of all, science, what we call science, modern science, comes directly out of Christian faith. I mean, it's the opposite of the idea that somehow right. it's at odds with Christian faith, mm -hmm. or maybe it's compatible with Christian Science, the science that all of these uh, atheists are crowing about comes out of Christian faith. You don't need to be a Christian to see the historical evidence that we would not have what we call modern science unless you had the roots in the 16th, 17th centuries right. of, of, of the church. So there's so much of this kind of information. I thought, I want to arm the church with this because as you know, we all know the, the scripture that you know, when the enemy comes in like a flood with cultural Marxism and lunacy and transgender, when all this stuff comes in, the, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard That's against right. it. And I believe that what's in this book is Good. part of what the Lord is giving us now Come on. to go into the battle. It's, it's, I, I'm telling you, you can tell I'm excited. It's not just the coffee. This is like, <laughs> this is, I have, I have a passion to get this to the church. Because once the church yeah. understands this, what I'm talking about, you approach non-believers differently. Mm -hmm. With you, confidence. You, you approach them with That's a level exactly of confidence right. and boldness right. that you ought to have, oh, but yeah. maybe you didn't because That's you're right. trying to be humble or you're trying to be gracious. But there's a time when you need to be full of boldness That's and right. joy and That's confidence. Good. That's what the Lord has done for me in the course of writing this book. Mm. Now, Eric, I love this chapter um, 22 problems with atheism, faith and science are BFFs. I thought that was Yeah, for me, that's a little, it's a little too cheeky for a chapter title, like the little BFF thing, but I said there's no other way but to I say mean, that. Hey, man, it's culturally Listen, relevant. Though. Well, actually, I, every, I, I gotta, every, all of my kids know what you're talking faith, about. Well, right that's, here. yeah. Okay. So, but, but, but faith and science, what John Lennox, the great uh, Oxford mathematician, he's a friend, I quote him uh, many times in the book, but he says, if you're logical about it, what is incompatible with science is atheism. Ooh. Now, this is a genius, Ooh. John Lennox, saying Ooh. this. He's saying that atheism is wow. flat out inconsistent with science. That is a fact. Mm. And I don't care if you like it, it's a fact. Mm -hmm. People need to deal with that. And that's why I wrote this book, because I said pe people need to see this. And this is not the kind of a book you say, I'm going to give it to my atheist friend, and he's going to... The Holy Spirit has to move on people's hearts, mm -hmm. but we need to be equipped with the facts mm -hmm. of history. Now, I, I have to say, the reason I wrote this book, ultimately, it was because of two men that I met, 
And I don't believe in coincidences. This was completely God's sovereignty in my mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. I met a man in Albuquerque. That I always say it sounds like a Johnny Cash song. Uh, I, I was preaching at Skip Heitzig's church. He said, oh, you got to meet a friend of mine. Uh, he's a biblical archaeologist, uh, Stephen Collins. He discovered biblical Sodom. Oh, really? I said, what did you say? <laughs> he discovered biblical Sodom. Now, if you know Skip, Skip's not just like a smoke blower. I said, what are, what are you talking about? That's like somebody saying, hey, he discovered the ark. <coughs> right. I said, well, I've never heard about this. Biblical Sodom, this is 1700 B.C. This is like the mists of prehistory. Now, we, even if, 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 uh, if Sodom really was destroyed, which we believe it was because the scripture says it, but you're not going to discover it. Mm -hmm. So I started looking into this, and I thought, son of a gun, he has discovered. But like, th th there's no doubt when you look into the details, right? And the more I looked into it, the more I thought, here is yet another thing astonishing evidence of the historical value of the Bible, its history, and no Christians know the story. I mean, if you go out and ask people, have you, you know they discovered biblical Sodom, and they discovered that sci science can tell us how it was destroyed. Right? Most people have no clue. I said, I've got to put that in this book. People's minds will be blown. Mm. And the same thing happened. I met a man in Houston, and uh, his name is Dr. James Tour. He's a, probably the premier nanoscientist on planet Earth. I mean, he knows more about mm. how to manipulate uh, atoms and molecules, and he's a, a believer. I, I met him, and he starts talking to me about the thing that nobody ever talks about. Christians always, we argue about evolution, and we talk about all this different stuff. Nobody ever talks about, forget about once you have life, how it got to be like us. How does a single cell, does it evolve? Did God did do it? it all we always start, argue right? about that. How did it all start? The question is, how about when you have zero life, mm -hmm. how do you go from zero life to life? So the single cell is just insanely complex. Right. How do you go from, you know, roiling oceans to suddenly do, 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 do. We have a cell with metabolism and membranes and, I mean, loony level of complexity, right? Mm -hmm. We never talk about that. Right. He knows more about this than anybody, He's because he's working on this level, and he says, Eric, if you ask a scientist, how do we get life on Earth? They would all say, oh, it's very simple. Four billion years ago, uh, you know, we had the primordial soup, uh, and, you know, lightning struck it. There was, a, there was a, an experiment done in 1952, University of Chicago, Miller, Urey, and it was, we probably all had it on our tests in junior high or high right, school. Right. <clears throat> he says that was in 1952, and they knew that when you, you know, lightning strikes and they got some amino acids, and they said, we're on our way. Mm -hmm. We got amino acids. Next thing, we're going to get proteins. Next thing, we're going to get... He says they've been working on it for 70 years. They have not moved that ball forward one millimeter. Mm -hmm. In other words, the more we learn from science, the more we know that there is no way mm -hmm. you get from non-life to a single cell. A single cell has thousands of functions. That's right. Yeah, That's but right. we know that today. And so in 1952, they were like, well, you know, they, they thought it's like a jelly, a jelly donut. They, they didn't understand. Yeah. I mean, not quite, but the point is they didn't understand what we do today. Mm -hmm. So think of the irony. The more science has been able to understand, the more we know there is zero chance that you go from no life to boop, 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 boop. I mean, the level of complexity, it's like saying, you see that computer? We kind of think the wind and the waves did that. I found a computer on the beach, and it's possible that we're trying to figure it out. 
the more you know about what's inside that computer, the more you realize the wind and the waves didn't make this computer. And intelligence beyond anything we can imagine created this. Mm -hmm. So, so that's what's, the, the, when I talked to Jim Tour about this, I said, people in the church don't ever talk about this. Nobody ever talks about this, and We're scientists never talk about it. We're always evolution, aren't we? Because, well, the reason creation. scientists never ask and this question or talk about this question is because they're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. That they, 70 years of working on it, all they figured out is that we now know that we don't know anything. Mm -hmm. So those are the two okay. things. When I talked to these two guys, I said, I gotta write a book. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my whole life, I've grown up hearing this, you probably have too, but, uh, but when you're talking to someone about God, especially an unbeliever, they say, well, you can't prove that God exists. Yeah. And you're, you're here today saying, no, actually you can. Well, well, it depends what you mean by proof, but, but the normal standard of proof, there is no question that you can prove that God can exist. And the, and the only way they wriggle out of it is by, by using cliches like, well, you can't prove it. Or you can't, like, what, you want me to prove it on a blackboard? Do you want me to prove it? You know, like, mm -hmm. they start using words that don't even mean what, what we think that they mean. There is no question that if you want to be intellectually honest and you look at this stuff, the only way you wriggle out of this is by coming up with something like you say, well, the universe, everything does seem perfectly fine-tuned, like on a freaky level. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that, but guess what? there's probably an infinity of universes and we just happen to be in the one that's all perfectly designed. That's, that's like a joke, right? Yeah. They, they say that we, we believe there's, there's, they call it the multiverse. They always like, you know, you give something a fancy title and it sounds like a thing, right? The multiverse theory. Mm -hmm. There is literally zero evidence for the multiverse theory. It's just a way of saying, I don't like that God hypothesis, so I'm going to create a term called the multiverse theory. But it is, it is laughable, and we as believers need to laugh at it. So I'm, uh, my background in science is zero, but uh, I've heard this, and maybe I'm not saying it right, but is that they have determined that the amount of energy that is in the universe that, or, or, and the way that it's functioning, that there must have been or must be an input from some other source, so they invent this, oh, well, that's because there's multiple universes, right? Well, I, so I mean, this is... Sort of an escape hatch from the logical inference of, wait a second. <laughs> you could go crazy talking about this. There, there are three arguments that, that from science that I roughly deal with in the, in the first part of this book. First yeah. one is the Big Bang, which nobody really talks about anymore. It is, you know, when it was understood that the universe had a beginning, it completely freaked out anybody who doesn't want God. Like it, it completely like destroyed them. They were, they were looking for the exits. We don't talk about that anymore. I talk about that in the first part of the book. Then I talk about what I mentioned, the James Tour, uh, you know, this idea of abiogenesis. How do you go from no life to life, mm -hmm. okay? But the, the most compelling argument, Christopher Hitchens, the atheist, famous, was asked once, what's the most compelling argument for God from the other side, from, you know, from, from the God side? And in a rare moment of candor, because he was like a nasty debater, mm -hmm. he, he actually said, oh, the, the, the fine-tuned argument, this argument that science continues to discover that if, if something were just a millimeter in this direction, there's no life. If it was a millimeter in the opposite direction, no life. It just happens to be on that knife edge. And we discover more and more that it looks like everything was just perfectly fine-tuned. Mm. So he mentions this. Mm. So when I mentioned the fine-tuned argument in my first book uh, about this called Miracles, and then I wrote a, an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal on that subject with the title, Science Increasingly Makes the Case for God, it went more viral than anything they've ever published in the history of the Wall Street Journal, 650,000 Facebook shares, because people are so hungry for this. You mm. can't get this anywhere, right? Wow. 
and, and, and all of the atheists dismiss it like, oh, that's, you know, that's already been taken care of years ago, you know. And I thought, no, Christopher Hitchens, the flag bearer for your movement, said publicly that is the most compelling argument. It's one that gives us pause. Wow. Wow. And, and that's the one that's kind of the easiest to follow, uh, although it gets increasingly complex because you can look at anything and you start seeing evidence of design. And if you don't want to believe that there's a designer, it begins to freak you out. Like you start saying, huh, if the Earth were a couple of percentage, uh, you know, if it were larger by a couple of percentage points, 4% larger, 5% larger, there'd be no life. Mm. If, it was a, if it was a tiny bit smaller, there'd be no life. We didn't learn that in schools. Mm -hmm. Science says that is a fact because mm -hmm. we now know about the atmosphere, that if it was a little bit smaller, a little bit greater. So you go, well, that's a nice coincidence. The Earth just happens to be the right size for life. Isn't that great, right? Mm. But then you find another example, that if the moon weren't exactly the size it is and so on and so forth, no chance of life. You think, mm -hmm. well, that's another coincidence. That's really nice. The one that I like, which I find just the funniest, but there's tons of these, and they've all discovered these in the last decades, the planet Jupiter. Now, some people in a place like Colorado, they might be able to look up in the night sky and you see that? That's Jupiter. I can see that pinprick. It's not a star. That's Jupiter. It's 400 million miles from Earth. Mm -hmm. it, but it has such extraordinary mass. It is so huge that its gravity is so powerful that it pulls asteroids and meteors that would hit Earth away from Earth. Mm -hmm. Now, science now tells us that if that tiny pinprick of light that we call Jupiter, if it weren't there, because you'd think, like, who cares if it's there or not? What does it have to do with us? Science now tells us if that weren't there, pulling all of these asteroids and meteors away from Earth, there would be a, about a thousand times as many asteroids and meteors hitting Earth, and there is zero chance that life could have emerged on this planet. This is what science says, but, yeah, they're, they're, but they're not yeah, talking about this because it's embarrassing. Mm. And, and, and I've just mentioned like three things. There's a, like a couple of hundred of these kinds of things. So the evidence for God has piled up and the only headline is that we haven't heard about it. Mm. Mm. Well, so it, you, <laughs> no I one find would it funny. <laughs> just the average John, John Q public, you know, he turns on his TV and he's watching a documentary and all he ever hears is billions and billions of years ago, whatever. Yeah. And, and the attitude that we see reflected in academia and everywhere else seems to be the exact opposite of what you're saying. That's a, that's, but isn't this funny? Like the evidence is astonishing. How can they get away with that lie. Every time I open up a newspaper, it's like, well, we've discovered an exoplanet, you know, 25 billion light years away that might have water on it, and so we think there's life. I mean, there's so much nonsense out there, and I thought to myself, if you're really paying attention, it's not that complicated. And, you know, that's why I put it in this book, and I really would like, frankly, to make um, a, a mini-series about this, not from a Christian perspective, just tell the facts. Mm -hmm. The facts point to God. Mm. You, you don't, you know, you, all you need to do is be honest. So mm. what explains this sort of lockdown in, in academia and... Well, let me tell you a little story. The, I believe you know, it happened literally. Media. There was something called the Garden of Eden, and a couple of people, actually I'm related to them, uh, disobeyed God and destroyed the world by allowing sin in. Because of that, we're behind enemy lines. Mm. And lies 
reign in the culture. And it's only because of folks listening to this program, we have to speak the truth. We live in a world that is not interested in the truth. And if God comes into the world as a human being, we will kill him. We did. That is, we, we sometimes have to be reminded as believers, like, why is everything so crazy? Well, because yeah. sin entered mm. in. Apart from Jesus, we, we are, we are in, a, in, a, in, a, in a stew of lies. And it's up to us to do our best to bring this stuff out so that those the Lord gives the ability to see the truth will have an opportunity to see the truth. But I mean, we're, this is everywhere. This is not just in science, you know. So uh, how do people get a copy of your book? Um, well, I always say, please go to my website because there's a lot of other stuff. But if you can spell my name, uh, ericmetaxas.com, uh, all my books are there. And there's more uh, information and free chapters and, and all that kind of stuff. But I feel I want to arm the church. Mm -hmm. And so the stuff about, the, the stuff on archaeology is hilarious. I mean, there's just great information that when I discovered, I thought, Lord, we, we need to get this out. This is going to get people excited because right. we forget how true what we say is true is, mm -hmm. how clear it is and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm excited. Yep. That's great. You know, Eric, when I've read this book and I've read Bonhoeffer and Luther and others, I'm always drawn to the scripture. Mm -hmm. In 2 Timothy 2, 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And a lot of times we've, we've classified that as just the Bible. But really what I see in all of this is, is understanding how to exegete not only the word of God, but truth and culture and be able to exegete culture. Well, too. see, the thing is truth is truth. All truth, Jesus is truth. So it doesn't matter if you're talking about math or science or whatever is true, points to him. That's There's right. no way around it. And I think a lot of times, again, we Christians participate in our own marginalization. It's like, well, I got my spiritual truth, which is better than your truth. It's like, there is only truth. Jesus is truth. Every kind of truth points to God. And really, this is part about reclaiming truth for the kingdom and say, like, wait a minute, yeah. the truth of history, the truth of man, right. That's right. truth of science, all yeah. truth is of God. All beauty is of God. Every good thing is of God. We have to stop pretending like, well, that's the devil's, that's the devil's uh, beauty. And that's the, it, it, it all belongs to God. And, and this is part of a reclamation project. And I really believe that we're on the verge of a reformation. I believe we're on the verge of revival, that God is doing something in our generation. That's Things right. have to get really bad sometimes mm -hmm. before we wake up. Yeah. And in case you're not paying attention, let me just cut to the chase. Things are really bad. And so people are waking up and they're, they're saying, I think a lot of people that would not call themselves, you know, born again believers, you know, they're looking around thinking, this doesn't make sense. What's going on around here? This doesn't, you know, th this is, I think a lot of people are realizing that God is the only answer ultimately to the madness mm -hmm. that has uh, stricken uh, our world, that God is the only answer. And that, that the serious Christians, they, they seem to be the ones with peace and with the answers and with the hope for the future. And, you know, I want some of that, you know, and I think that there, I think there are people coming to that conclusion. And mm -hmm. so it's just up to us to, to keep speaking the truth.
You know, do you do you sense that um, in in the culture today? I, I think people are awakening because of broken promises. In a sense, the left promises that oh, if you mutilate your body and call yourself a woman, even though you got the plumbing of a man, yeah. you'll find happiness. Or they promise, <laughs> well, let us spend more money and more money and more money, and yeah. eventually we'll get people out of poverty. At some point, people are going, wait, these vaccines, these were supposed to stop Look, the pandemic. This is the, these what are just point? different versions of the same right. lie that has been sold since the Garden right. of Eden. The Tower of, right. of Babel or Babel is a good example, too. Like, if we just get a few more bricks and a few more workers, we're going to be able to reach the heavens. That's it. No, you're not. Uh, don't even try. It's mm. infinitely far away. If the heavens don't come to you, if God doesn't come to you, you're not getting to him on your own strength. So the best thing you can do is understand you're stuck here, cry out to him and he will come to you. Mm -hmm. But we have bought into this utopianist lie and this is what the left always sells. It's, 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 it hasn't been as dramatic in America, uh, but now it's become real dramatic where you see the clarity that there are two ways of thinking about everything. One is there is no God and we're gonna figure out on our own, we're gonna, we're gonna build this tower into the heavens on our own, that is basically socialism, communism, Marxism, and Marxism, let's be honest, all that stuff is dramatically atheist, it is anti-God, and it hates the people of God, because the people of God are a threat to its power. And then the other view is the God view, which says, uh, if we look to God, he will give us the motivation uh, to be virtuous, to govern ourselves, and we can have liberty, uh, and, and we can have a wonderfully free culture, but God is our king, uh, and we govern ourselves. Well, we haven't been teaching that for a few decades, kind of like I was saying with, with since the 60s, and you know, is God dead? We've allowed these kind of Marxist lies to infiltrate the culture so that a lot of people don't really see these things anymore, so they're buying this old lie again that, you know, uh, we can we can build back better. We just need a few trillion more bucks, and and we'll w wipe out poverty and whatever. And you think, Lyndon Johnson mm -hmm. tried this. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many zillions of dollars we have spent? We have more crime. We I mean, there are people who see this, mm -hmm. and there's some people that still don't see it. But if you see it, you need to understand that this is not the way. This is not the way to health and prosperity and, and whatever. And I think right now it's gotten very dramatic where, you know, the, the Democratic Party, it, it is dramatically moving to godless Marxism. And I think, wow, in America, I didn't think that would, we would get there. Mm -hmm. But we're at a point mm -hmm. where you have radical voices that have stolen the narrative. But in a way, it's very clarifying because you can now see like, okay, so do you think this is going to work? Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think the government can, can do this stuff? And, and if you're an American, you understand what is the government? We the people are supposed to be the government. So if the government gives you money, it means we the people are spending money in taxes to give money. You know, like, so it's kind of like a, like a shell game or like a, like a Ponzi scheme. I think people are waking up. So this is all part of the same, you know, these lies are, are, are kind of recycled. And so I think that is atheism dead? At the center of all this is the, the biggest lie of all. There is no God. Yes. You can be God. Right. That's the biggest lie. If you deal with that, you, you can kind of see clearly all the way to the margins through these other lies and understand why they don't work. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit, Eric, on this, uh, kind of on what you alluded to, that the left 
always views uh, faith and God and Christianity as a threat. It's the I biggest mean, if, threat. If we, your book on Bonhoeffer is probably a good place to segue yeah. to that because yeah. even though Nazism, you know, Bonhoeffer lived under Ger a Nazi Germany, it, people today say that that was an example of extreme right. And yeah. The truth is that they're all the leftist philosophy. Listen, mm -hmm. you got, we why have do to, they always the time think is they short. Have, when why people they, say that, you got to say, eh, you're wrong. <laughs> Fascism is not the opposite of Bolshevik, you know, Soviet-style right. communism. It's just the it's the, it's the other side of the same thing. The opposite of fa fascism on the on the Nazi model, uh, communism on the Soviet model. All of this stuff is exactly the same. It is godless, big state, big government control of the individual. It's the enslavement of people mm -hmm. under the state. So whether you do it uh, as an anti-communist in the name of uh, Hitler or as a communist in the name of Stalin and Lenin, it's the same thing. The opposite of both those things is the American-style freedom and self-government given to us by God through the founders in 1776, 1787. That, that is the opposite. So if you look at what do the Nazis have in common with the Soviets, the number one enemy of Hitler and Stalin was the Church of Jesus Christ. They knew that if you look to a higher power, you're not scared of them. Mm -hmm. So they had to crush the church, they had to, to bully the church mm -hmm. into submission, and guess what? Th they had success in that, because there are many Christians that they don't have a bold, courageous faith, mm -hmm. and if they're pushed hard enough, they're gonna go, okay, okay, what do I need to do to, to get along? What do I need to do so that you won't throw me in death camps or, or concentration camps or in the gulag. So today in America, we have a similar situation. You have a lot of believers that are kind of trying to hedge their bets and trying to say, well, if I go along with the BLM thing or if I go along with it. In other words, they don't understand that the roots of these things are satanic. The roots of these things are Marxist. The roots of these things are atheistic. Mm -hmm. BLM is a Marxist atheistic movement. It is the enemy of the black family. It is the enemy right. of it. If you don't believe in God, Mm -hmm. You tell yeah. me, where do you get the idea that racism is even wrong? Mm -hmm. In other right. words, the idea that racism is wrong, you get that from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we, we need to know our history. We need to know that the abolition of slavery was brought about by Christians. Christians. And I don't right. mean churchgoers. I mean real Christians who knew the Bible and said, this is an abomination and we're going to work against this. The civil rights movement in America mm -hmm. came through the churches. That's it didn't right. come through Marxists. And so we need to understand that you get a choice, A or B. A says there's no God, and we, 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 can, we can make it up as we go along. We can say racism is wrong. We're not going to get into why uh, because we have no answer. Uh, we're not going to get into why we are afraid of uh, people of faith. We're, not, we're just going to pretend that we're going along. And then the other one is actual faith in, in, in the God of the Bible. And so in the story of Bonhoeffer, what was, what was Hitler's number one enemy? He wouldn't say it very publicly because there were enough Christians in Germany that he didn't want to wake them up. Mm -hmm. But his enemy was if you really believed, he knew you were the threat. If the church woke up in Germany, which they didn't, if the church had woken up, Nazism could not have succeeded. Mm -hmm. So his goal was to just, to just to say what he needs to say, to throw out some God terminology here and there, even though he didn't believe it. He, I mean, I quote Hitler in the book where he, 
the Christianity was, was, was repulsive to him. He thought it was a weak, you know, he had this Nietzschean idea, whatever. But he, he knew that if I can keep the church asleep long enough, eventually I will have the power to crush them. That is exactly what is happening in America. In other words, if the church doesn't wake up, and by the grace of God, I believe the church is waking up, but if the church doesn't wake up and get active and get political and get involved in all these battles, every freedom that we have to do those things will be taken away from us. And then we will wake up and go, hey, oh, it's too late. So Bonhoeffer was a, was a prophet, God's prophet, trying to wake up the German church. And like with many prophets, the church said, leave me alone. The people of God said, shut up, shut up. A thousand years later, we'll revere you, Isaiah, Jeremiah, aren't you great? Mm -hmm. But at the time, they didn't want to hear it. That's the story of Bonhoeffer, except I believe the Lord allowed me to write this book as a warning to the American church today and to say, if you do not wake up to these political forces trying to smother you, if you do not wake up in time, you will go down the path that the Germans went down here. It is a horrible path, but I believe the Lord in his mercy does not want the American church to go down that path. Yeah. Now, by the way, we are going down that path, but I believe people are waking up at the same time. So we are in a spiritual battle, which is why I get so passionate, because I really do believe um, the Lord is with us, but he will never compel us to, to hear him and to obey him. So right. that's, this is on the church. So if you're part of the church, it's on you folks, no pressure. <laughs> well, this book, Bonhoeffer, you guys, I want to just put it up for you, is Pastor, Martyr, Prophet, and Spy. And this is the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who as a Lutheran pastor really stood alone at a time when the German church would not align themselves with some kind of a unified message. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, he started a group kind of, it was called the Confessing Church, and they were under tremendous pressure. Oh and they started even losing their numbers after a while. I think at one point, at their high point, there's like 900 churches, and then it began to drop off as there was more and more pressure from Hitler, the brown shirts, the SS, and we know the history of what happened with, uh, with the um, Jews and all of that. And so I wanna ask you a question, and I don't know if we'll get to cover this in much detail, but you kinda covered it a little bit, but what are your thoughts for us today if Dietrich Bonhoeffer were alive, so if Dietrich Bonhoeffer were here today, yeah. he might be an evangelical, okay, he's an evangelical pastor. What would Bonhoeffer do under these conditions? Because it, it, it feels like it's the early days. It's the early it's days early, in the 30s it's, and it's then in the mid-30s, yeah. stuff like that. We see stuff happening. Yeah. He was taking some stands. I think his name, because of his father being such a famous psychologist, kind of got him from oh, yeah. not having to go to prison, yeah. like what happened to Niemöller and others. Yeah. So he had, some, he had a little more opportunity yeah. than others. What would he say to us today that we could learn from? Well, I mean, think of the irony, okay? Now, first of all, I gotta say this. This book, of all the books I've written, this book has sold over a million copies. Why? Amazing. Because this story, people, I mean, I didn't, I didn't invent this story. It's not a novel. This is a true story of a man's life. And the Lord led this man to lead the kind of a life. He's killed by the Nazis right before the end of the war to be a, a, an inspiration to us so that when you read this story, you cannot help but want to be like Bonhoeffer. Mm -hmm. But what's weird 
is that a lot of people who read this Bonhoeffer book and, and thought, oh yeah, I'd be, I'd be on board, I'd be heroic, whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> right now, they, they kind of, it, this, is, this is almost funny if it weren't so sad, but their attitude is like, oh yeah, I figured it out, I, I, get the, I got the memo. Donald Trump, that's Hitler 2.0. Uh, he's a nationalist, just like Hitler. He's an authoritarian, whatever. Their, their knowledge of history is so sloppy yeah. that they, they didn't read it right. Mm -hmm. yeah. The enemy of the church, okay? It, it, right now, by the way, if Donald Trump, you know, the, the philandering, thrice-married New York developer, if he had not appointed three originalists to the Supreme Court, that's right. yeah. That's right. Does anybody understand where we would be today? God often does his best work outside the church. Find somebody like a Cyrus or like whatever, almost to shame the church. Just like mm -hmm. he, he, you know, he uses the Gentiles to shame his people. And the, 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 the memo, you know, if, if you want to read the, the, the history of where we are today, there are people that understand that when the government tries to crush the church, you start, you start realizing, okay, this is the enemy. They're trying to crush freedom. They're trying to wipe out the church. They're trying to demonize. I mean, what I find really horrific is that the way the Nazis demonized Jews, they didn't do it all at once. They did it little step by step by step by just giving them, you know, we, 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 we demonize them. And I hear really creepy parallels today in America. When people say like, oh, if you don't want to get the vaccine, you're the enemy of health or you're trying to, look, since we don't have a lot of time, let me just cut to the chase. These are lies from the pit of hell. And if you don't stand against those lies, right. you're, you're on the hook, you're part of the problem. And there's a lot of people in church today think like, well, I don't want to be political. I want, folks, you're not being political. When you speak the truth, when you say that is a lie, that is not true. We have a government today. Didn't, didn't Bonhoeffer say not to speak is to speak? I, I don't know if he actually said it, but if you if you understand his life, it is summed up in that quote mm -hmm. where he says, what, what, it, it's, it's the famous quote, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. So there are a lot of pastors in America that say, well, I don't want to get political from the pulpit. Folks, if you're talking about the unborn, okay, there's been a war on the unborn. Human beings made in the image of God, murdered. If you don't understand that there's a war on the unborn, there's a war on the people of God, you need to be in that battle. And if people can shut you up just by saying, uh uh, you're being political, don't you think they said that to William Wilberforce? When William Wilberforce said, I, as a politician, am standing against the abomination of the slave trade. Mm -hmm. People said to him, why don't you keep your, your religion out of politics? And why don't you, if people can shut you up that way, um, you, you really, you, you're, you're doing what the German church did during the time of Bonhoeffer. They're saying, well, it's not time to speak up yet. I don't want to lose my job. I'll speak in 10 minutes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet a little longer. Bonhoeffer said, if you do not use your freedom and your voice, to speak now, you will not have that freedom or that voice. I say to people who have money, if you don't use your money for God's purposes now, five years from now, you won't even have that money. It'll be taken away from you. It'll be devalued to nothing. 
use what God has given you now. If the church uses its voice, uses its freedom, and stands up now without allowing itself to be bullied into silence, well, then we have a chance to win. And I believe the Lord will, will bless us. But I think there are many in the church, they have this misunderstanding and they think like, well, I don't, I don't want to lose my people because we have people on both sides of the issue. Actually, you don't. You, you don't have people in your church who think a rooster can lay an egg and a man can become a woman. And whatever. You, you, if you have people like that, you better set them straight. You don't have people in your church who believe that every white person is, is a racist. If, if you have those kind of people, it's your job as a pastor to help them see that is racism. In other words, if you are not speaking to these issues, you're part of the problem. And we have a lot of uh, pastors and people of faith that somehow think, I can sit this one out. Folks, you can't, when you're in a battle, you wanna play Switzerland and be neutral, N nobody is, is gonna salute you when they're, they're, they're counting up the dead and thinking we won this war thanks to these people, but oh, you sat this one out. God is calling his people to stand up, to understand these things. It's the sons of Issachar, it's the discernment of this time in which we live. The, the, the Nazis were able to bully the church in Germany into silence just long enough that they were able to destroy the church. And, and that's the question in the church today. How many pastors are saying, well, I don't want to take, I don't want to talk about this, I don't want to talk about that. You, you don't even need to believe. I mean, I guess the issue is freedom, right? Like if, if you believe that, that uh, we need to have elections where everybody believes that the election was legitimate, then whether you believe the election was, was stolen or whatever, not, you need to say in America, we don't keep silent. If there's an issue, we speak up. We want sunlight to disinfect. We, we want to remove corruption. Let's look at everything. Um, if, there's, if there's science out there debating about vaccines and COVID, whatever, <clears throat> let's discuss it. That's right. The mm -hmm. impulse to be quiet, That's right. because I don't want anybody to look at me funny, that is of the devil. Yes. Speak, mm -hmm. or tomorrow your voice will be gone. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, I think Jesus said uh, that if you uh, fear men, how can you, how can you believe, you know? And these two books here, it seems to me, are directly related. Is Atheism Dead and Bonhoeffer because God is the root of the whole thing. And uh, so in, in our day right now, vaccines, who would have thought that vaccines would have broken along party lines? or that right. it would have been some Good. tool to divide the church, the wheat from the chaff, the mm -hmm. person who's warm in the pew from the person who really loves Jesus. What, what is going on here? Why are vaccines so controversial? Well, actually, let's think about this for a second, right? Everybody says, everybody likes to think like, oh, when the chips are down, I'm gonna be on the right side of everything, right? Hey, you think you'd be on the right side of history in Germany? You think you'd be with Bonhoeffer? You think you'd be with Wilberforce standing against the slave trade? Let me tell you something. How you're acting now will tell you. Yeah. Are you being a bold voice now? Because I'm here to tell you that whatever you're doing now is exactly what you would have done then. So don't fool yourself. You have to pay a price. When you follow God and obey God, you have to pay a price. Now, if you know you can't outgive God. God will have your back. You're worried about losing your job. God is in charge of your finances. If you believe that, you know you're really risking nothing because when I side with the Lord, even if I'm wrong, the Lord has my back. The Lord is with me if I'm trying to uh, obey him. But I, I think that there are just a lot of people that they think, well, I, I don't want to be unpopular. I don't want, listen, I'm not saying to be some kind of a sawed off idiot, you know, wherever you go. To, but 
I think we, we have to understand that we're, we, we have a government and we have a ruling class that is trying to use these things to divide us. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it very successfully. And, and I really think that there are people on the left who have woken up to this. On my radio program, TV program, I had a, a guest on, Naomi Wolf. She mm -hmm. was in my class at Yale, liberal, mm -hmm. feminist, not a Christian. She has woken up to this. And she was speaking about vaccine passports mm -hmm. on my program. Because of that, my program was wiped off of YouTube. Wow. That is how scared certain people are of honest conversations about the truth. So if you wanna know who are the good guys and who are the bad guys, my question would be like, even, no matter where you stand on the issues, what do you think of the fact that they are silencing people, they are canceling people, they are marginalizing mm -hmm. people? They're going to say, we will wipe you out if you don't shut up about this. Mike Lindell, mm -hmm. all he is trying to do is bring attention to what happened in the election. Even if he's wrong, this is America. But they are trying to crush him. His bank refuses well, to bank with him. I said, if you want to know who the good guys are, why would you be trying to shut people up? Why wouldn't you say, yeah, let's, let's talk. We believe the facts are on our side. Let's have a conversation. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience um, is a biblical idea, isn't it? Right? I mean, that comes out of the Word of God. And can, can you talk about that for just a second? How is that? Because I, uh, I think the millennial generation now, some uh, unbelievable percentage of them think it's okay to to oppress the views of right. people that are you think are wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about irony. Yeah. I and mean, the irony, it's, it's just unbelievable. We have not taught the basics. And again, when I say the basics, all truth comes from God and calls from Scripture. So even if you're not aware of it, that's where truth comes from. So the basics of what it means to be an American, to understand. I mean, I remember even when I was in college, people would say, um, you know, I may disagree with you, but I will defend to the death yes. your right to say what you have to say. Right. That idea has been swept away. That was the American way, that we believed that if we can have an honest debate, the truth will rise. If you're afraid of the truth, you don't want to have an honest debate. And so now we have people saying, well, that's hate speech, and you can't say this, you can't say that. And I think to myself, well, okay, that's very interesting. So who decides? Uh, how did this happen in America? Well, it happened because since the 60s, we've not been teaching uh, anything of God, of virtue, of, of the founders, all these principles that used to be fundamental in the United States of America. It didn't matter where you were politically. Now those issues have become political. So mm -hmm. when people say, well, don't get political, I'm thinking, how do you not get political when people mm -hmm. are, are basically saying, hey, here's what I think of your views. Shut up. I don't want to hear your views. If you say that, we'll punish you. I know that person is guilty. That person is hiding something when they tell me, shut up. So if you tell me to shut up, I will scream. I will not, I will not speak softer. I will speak louder. And people in the church need to understand this. When somebody tells you, you can't do this, you better do that, you think, whoa, 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 this is America. People died. People died so that we could have freedom. And if you want to spit on their grave, you go along with that. But I want to honor them. I want to honor their death for freedom. And, and, and I think we haven't been teaching this in America. And it's up to, it's really fallen to the church to, to get loud about this and to say that people died so that we could have a debate, so that we could share good ideas, bad ideas, and have that freedom in America. So, so we're really, we're, we're, at, we're at a real tipping point. 
And as I said, if the church does not wake up now, we will go the way of the church in Germany. And look, Germany is hanging its head 80 years. Mm, still. 80 years later, there's still deep shame mm -hmm. because they didn't do the right thing when the chips were down. That's what will happen here if, if the church does not wake up. It's up to the church. Wow. I think, you know, Richard's a pastor too, and so am I. And Eric, what we're seeing in Colorado Springs and El Paso County and in our area here is how important it is to unite, to have pastors that we have a relationship yeah. with, that we work together. It might be in the healthcare industry, it might be with the political realm, and it might be in education. And we're winning. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing movement. We're getting the ball down the field yeah. by getting the right officials into office who really are passionate. And we were talking about this on the way, how it's interesting who we are in relationship with that we didn't even know before. We didn't have a relationship with them before, maybe because of theological differences or different genres that we're hanging out with. And so I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. And I pray this is happening around the country. Yeah. And you travel around the country. Oh, man. Do you see some of that? I see this unity here with guys that I didn't even have a relationship well, with this before COVID-19. It's actually funny to watch like there are a lot of churches or places they would have invited me a few years ago. Now they're kind of like, well, we want to be really careful. We don't want to. And then all of these churches like your church that I didn't know you before, they are, are saying, no, no, no. We want to talk about this to our people. Those churches are exploding in numbers. Mm -hmm. In other words, it, the, the ones who fear losing people right. are losing people. That's right. The ones that fear nothing, that fear God and are just speaking the truth, people are flocking to these churches. I've seen everywhere I go, I meet pastors like you, they all have the same story. Our numbers have tripled. We've got five times as many. I hear it over and over and over again. The more you're talking about all this stuff, people are hungry. Non-believers, atheists are saying there's something there that's, that's attractive. And it, look, this is called kingdom thinking. Yeah. Kingdom thinking people don't care about your church. You care about the truth and God will bless it, he'll give it the increase. And so I see this over and over and over again, well, and many of us are getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. We're getting the team together because God is doing something. Well, I gotta jump in here. I, I would love to, <laughs> we should have scheduled two hours for this, it's so <laughs> awesome, Eric. Thank you so much for coming out here yeah. and sharing with, you, with us. And uh, I just pray that your book is a catalyst for revival and reformation across the country. And for all of you who are watching, thanks for tuning in uh, uh, to the live cast tonight. Uh, we'll be back again next week uh, at six o'clock Mountain Time for the Truth and Li Liberty live cast. So be sure, to, be sure to check us out, check out our website, buy a copy of Eric's book. You'll be glad you did and share it with your friends. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. And uh, God bless you, and we will see you again next week. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net. 